you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. El Huddle is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hola, que tal? What's good, everybody? This is the El Huddle Podcast. I'm Will Salva. My prima hermana, MJ Acosta Ruiz, is off. But people, I am not flying solo. I have somebody that you'll want to listen to, especially if you are a psycho or a millionaire. He's part of not one, but two wildly popular series slash franchises. You may have heard of them, Psych and A Million Little Things. He's an actor, director, writer, activist. Please, let's give a warm L Huddle welcome to James Rodé Rodriguez. What's viva, up, man? Viva football. See? <laughs> Muy bien. And I see that you got your friend there that's joining us on the podcast, but won't be saying much, really. There he is. And when I sit like this, you're bait, you'll just get his butt. So he got, he got a little <laughs> dog butt to help brighten your day. Yeah, so what's his name? That is Claude. He's a Frenchman. Ah, okay. Claude, and, and I know for you... Uh, you've been involved with your Road Dogs Foundation, which really is dedicated to rehabbing and rescuing medical bulldogs and puppies 
with birth defects. Why is that such an important cause for you? I adopted the Mastiff I had before Claude. His name was Frank. He was also a Frenchman. Uh, from this amazing woman, Nikki, who who started and runs uh, Road Dogs. And, you know, her, her mantra is that every, you know, every dog, not unlike every child, you know, deserves deserves a shot at, you know, some sort of life. And so she's basically dedicated her work to, you know, the puppies that nobody wants, uh, the seniors that get left behind, um, you know, the smashed faces that have, you know, medical, you know, disabilities that come along with, you know, big fat, you know, medical bills. And uh, I just think it's, it's just so moving that that those are the dogs that she's uh, that she's decided to to help, and uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful organization, and it you know it's not necessarily for the squeamish. I mean, she has to she has to endure a great deal of loss doing what she does, and mm -hmm. uh, I just have a ton of I just have a ton of respect for her, and uh, I will always always be grateful to her because she gave me a dog that I was able to spend uh, 10, 10 solid years with. So, yeah. Was was Frank named after the character in um, that movie that was a father of the bride with Martin Short or no? No, Frank no? was named uh, Frankie when I adopted him. Ah, okay. And he just didn't seem like a Frankie to me. You know, <laughs> uh, he was a little more dour and uh, and brooding and uh, than a Frankie, I thought. <laughs> and, and because he was a French Mastiff, you know, it, we didn't stray too far uh, from the root, from the root word there and just made him the French version. That's how that happened. Well, right on, man. Uh, keep it up. I mean, Road Dogs Foundation. I know that is a cause that's near and dear to your heart. Also near and dear to your heart is football. You are a big time fan. You were born and raised in San Antonio. So inevitably, the question is, how in the hell did you become a Tennessee Titan fan? Well, my entire family, uh, the, the Mexican side, they're all in Texas and they're all hardcore cowboy fans. And uh, it wasn't really a choice. You, you're born into the Rodriguez family and you, you know, you were given some sort of cowboy paraphernalia, you know, when you're two years old. Right. And uh, I just I wasn't willing to accept like a preordained like fandom, you know. Yeah. And when I started watching football very early on, uh, I liked Earl Campbell. I liked the Houston Oilers. They were always on the other channel uh, that, you know, my dad would flip to during commercials. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I immediately became uh, something of a black sheep. Uh, I was the only non-cowboy fan, I think, in the history of, of the family. But I really <laughs> stuck to it. Uh, those early Oilers teams when I was a kid were just horrible. Uh, but it was it was really fun to watch. Sweet Earl unis, Campbell. though, right? Oh, great unis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Earl was just running over people. Um, but then they were, would lose. And, uh, you know, we went through some really we went through some pretty fun eras, you know. We had that the whole run and shoot thing for a while with yeah, Jack Party, Jack Party and Warren Moon yeah. and four receivers, uh, you know, split out wide and and one back, and you know we could always get to the divisional round of the playoffs, and then you know in, invariably we would lose. Uh, and then I got the whole Steve McNair era, which you know was 
was our one trip to the Super Bowl with Steve and Eddie. So even though we have no titles to show for it, um, I have no regrets, none, none whatsoever making that decision. Uh, it's been a good it's been a good ride. And, and it, I just feel like when you're a long suffering fan, getting that Super Bowl trophy is just it's got to be the sweetest fruit uh, sure. out there to get. So someday I will experience something that Cowboy fans have not, because you know <laughs> if they were if they were alive, you know back when when they were winning three Super Bowls, uh, they they you know they took it. For, I think they probably took it for granted. I never will, and I just it's I'll, been a long I, time for them, James. A long time. It's true. It's true, and it's been <laughs> you know what? To be honest, I used to love watching the Cowboys be bad, and now they've been bad for so long that it doesn't even give me any satisfaction anymore. Like I can't even troll my dad because I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so they're, they're, I get it. You're you're me now. Um, I just want one, you know, before I die. That's it. Just one. James, you've had some really painful losses to endure what was the most painful for you was it the 35 to 3 game against buffalo or was it the super bowl against the rams i would say that the 35 to 3 loss was more painful uh at the time because i really did think that that team had everything it took to go all the way um, we were an offensive juggernaut, but we actually had some guys on defense that were making plays. And I thought, you know what? This is it. This is the year we get it done. Um, Love Dishman. Loved Dishman. It was a good team, man. Yeah. Super Bowl, I mean, it was such a magical ride. We had to, you know, we had to pull off the Music City Miracle to get there. I, I, we started to sort of have a team of destiny, like sort of aura about us, but I don't know that I ever, I didn't go into that season thinking, oh my gosh, we're, we're Super Bowl contenders. So the fact that we got all the way there and, and made it close uh, against the greatest show on turf, uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, but it was not expected. Um, that was just sort of the, a, a delight. Um, and, you know, as much as everyone looks, likes to run that last play of, of Dyson coming up a yard short, we have to remember yeah. it's, all it would have done is allowed us to, you know, kick an extra point and tie the game. It's not like... It's like we That's win right. if he gets in the end zone. We still would right. have to go to overtime and stop that offense again, probably, and who knows. Well, well, that's what a lot of times people, when they look at Bill Buckner, they think, oh, wow, the ball got by him, but there was still another game to be played at that right. point in time, right? And so that's I think right. sometimes sports fans forget that stuff. And that's why, you know, that's why it doesn't haunt me, you know, okay. as much as, as the other one does. Well, that makes sense. What was your first memory, would you say? Was it Earl uh, Earl Campbell just barreling into a Rams defender while his his uniform was getting tugged at and torn off? Like what what was the the first one that just grabbed you? What was the first memory? You just nailed it. Um because when I was that when I was that little, I don't even think I knew another player. I don't think I could name anybody but Earl Campbell, and I knew what. And I was kind of mostly only interested in watching when they were on offense, and you know, and he was running the ball. Uh, and I want to say that my first, I think my first memory, they were they were playing the Colts because I remember the other helmet uh, having the horseshoe on it at the and, Astrodome. At the dome, okay, and, uh, 
and just watching Earl just be a, you know, a man among boys, uh, that running style was just so brutal. So and punishing, right? Obviously he paid, he's, he's paid a steep price for it, but, uh, but boy, that was def that was my intro, uh, to that team and, and to football as a whole, uh, and, you know, in many ways, the Oilers, even though they've gone through so many different iterations and coaches, they still are kind of, you know, not too far off from what they were back then. You know, they've mm -hmm. kind of come full circle the way that they play physical smash mouth football and hand the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times a game. Well, well, let me uh, let me go through through your Twitter here. OK, we're going to call this part of our interview, this segment, let's call it. Read it and tweet. I will read you a couple of your tweets and you tell me what you were thinking at the time when you typed it out. Cool? Cool. Fair uh, fair warning. I was hacked a while ago, so if it's too recent, it might not actually be me. <laughs> no, no. It's actually from, from 2022, so I don't know right. if you were hacked we're good. back That's then. Me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's start. This was in early September. Definitely. You had said, New Year same story let's tighten up and go to work now what i take away from that tweet was the mentality that the titans are seen as these underdogs is that yep. what you were meaning to say with that tweet 100 percent. try to give my boys some bulletin board material <laughs> nobody's nobody thinks you can can get it done everybody's doubting you every year regardless of what kind of off season the Indianapolis Colts have. All of the pundits will line up and say, oh my gosh, uh, this no one's offseason oh, is more exciting than the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, it's, this is Indy's year. It's, they're, they're obviously, you know, the, the, the pick to win it every year. Yeah. It's the same old broken record. So uh, that's what that tweet meant. You're right. You nailed it. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's keep going. This was from November 13th, 2022. Uh, it's hard not to daydream about someone with a little more ingenuity calling plays for this Titans offense. Uh, so am I to infer that you are not happy with the OC last season? Yeah, I was, I was part of a large <laughs> contingent <laughs> of Titans fans that really wanted to see him, uh, open up things, um, and uh, and it was frustrating at times, for sure. Yeah. So now you have Tim Kelly, who's been elevated to offensive coordinator. What do you think of that move? Or are you just happy that they made a move, period? Happy that they made a move. Uh, always willing to give a new guy the benefit of the doubt. I think that's our job as, as fans is not to condemn anything until we see it on the field. Same thing with people who bemoan draft picks. I'm like, look. I don't do this for a living. I wasn't out there scouting these guys. Like you got to give them a shot, right? That we yeah. want to, we got to believe in these guys. Um, that's our job. So until they start, you know, pooping the bed on the field, uh, I'm down and I'm down for, to give Tim Kelly a shot. I mean, he was the passing game coordinator. Hope, hopefully that means he's got a few, you know, other tricks up his sleeve. Like we all know what we're dealing with. We've got a hall of fame back. Who's, you know, tiptoeing towards you know the tail end of his career um you're not going to be able to run him run him you know 350 times a game or a season anymore so what else you got and to be fair uh that receiver room is a little thin so i think tim kelly's probably got a decent amount of leash this year yeah um 
at least until we get him a few more pieces uh, to play with. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he's what he's got uh, cooking. All right. Well, James, one more tweet from you, and this was December first, twenty twenty two. Sometimes I wonder if AJ Brown actually realizes that the Titans traded him to a team with an offensive scheme that better utilizes his talents, agreed to pay him exactly what he wanted and put him next to one of the best of his best buddies. Like dot, dot, dot. You're welcome. No. (laughs) (laughs) What were you feeling there, dude? Well, I didn't, I I didn't quite understand why AJ kept poking the bear so much um, on social media when you know he he got such a great he got such a great deal you know like it's like he couldn't let he couldn't let it lie uh it felt like he, he was sort of the engine behind any of the contention between him and the team whereas it's sort of like dude we you you're playing for a super bowl this year uh good for you love the player move on uh we're the ones that are stuck trying to figure out what our offense looks like now Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like he, he had this ax to grind and I didn't quite understand what, what the ax was. Uh, yeah. he's sitting pretty. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that was just part of, he was feeling something and sometimes he was cryptic about it. And then he stated what he was feeling. I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like he was in the doghouse there. He was hurt a lot, but when he was on the field, he was pretty productive. He was, he was our pa- our passing game, um, you know. And and if yeah. he asked for a number and and the Titans weren't willing to pay it, you know, based on how we run an offense, you know, that's the business of football. Yeah. Um, you know, you you go find your money, and he did, and it worked out for him instantly. So I don't know. That was that was me after about ten or twelve you know, reading 10 or 12 tweets from AJ that were like dogging Titans and Titans fans. I was just like, dude. Yeah. So you are, you are. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have... Hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot and now he doesn't. Mm hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. But let's say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. 
His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You are clearly a diehard fan, so diehard, in fact, that you had a chance to announce the 69th pick at the 2022 draft. What's up? What's up? Tighten up. Everybody can tighten up. All right. Everybody knows night two is where the real action happens. That's right. I didn't even watch yesterday. Did I miss anything? Good. With the 69th pick. Hello. In the 2022 NFL Draft, our Tennessee Titans select Nicholas Petit Frere. Tackle. Ohio State, welcome. What was that like? Pure bucket list. Uh, three of my best buddies from high school and I went to Vegas, spent the weekend. Uh, as, you know, as part of of that, all of that ceremony, all of that pageantry. Um, you know, rub shoulders with some some greats, uh, veterans, and some current players, and some draft prospects. Back in that green room, it was just. It was just awesome. Uh, and, you know, getting 69 out of all the picks you can get, I mean, come on. That's that's just the cherry on the Sunday. <laughs> it really um, is. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> um, w- were you at all concerned or worried that you would get a name that would be hard to say? You know, we love Chig Okonkwo, but yeah, his man. names – Right, are are hard sometimes, and it's a surprise. You don't know literally until just minutes before. It's true. They do give you a card where the name is spelled out for you phonetically right underneath it. I find so, that sometimes confuses me. You, you know, in the broadcast yeah. world, we have phonetic spellings, but sometimes the phonetic spelling actually trips me up more. 
It's a lot because you you realize you have the responsibility of 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 being a, a part of a moment that you know this young man will will remember for the rest of his life. Like this is quite possibly like a life changing e you know evening, and the last thing you want to do is go out there and say his name wrong or say his you know his family's name wrong. So yeah, you definitely like you, there's a little bit of nerves. Um, yeah, and I it's not like I got you know. Jerry Smith, I, I, you know, I, I got Nicholas Petit Frere, uh, right. and I said, and I said it a couple times backstage to the, to the NFL person that was there to make sure that you know I was at least in the ballpark. You're um, a performer. Did you feel nervous, or was this just a different kind of performance, so to speak? Oh, I was so stoked. I wanted to go out there and get Titans fans as pumped up as as humanly possible. And there were some there, um, which is great. You never feel like there's going to be like a, a heavy Titans contingency at the NFL draft. But sure enough, we had like a little pocket of, of pretty loud, you know, crazy fans tightening up. Yeah. Talk about a dream come true. Now you are, I believe, the third person I know that's done it. Kyle Brandt, my co-host on Good Morning Football. He did it a year ago. He announced the Bills pick, and then this year, Jason McCourty announced it for the Titans, coincidentally. And That's right. He spent some time. He spent some time up there. He vamped. Yes, he did. <laughs> no, he was going scorched earth, dude. He went yeah. absolutely bonkers up there because Kyle had told him, hey, talk your bleep up there. Yeah. And, and he pumped up our show, and then he just started – people started taking strays, man. All up and down the division. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And they kept playing the little the little jingle to like tell them like announce the pick. Da -na 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 -na. I think they played it like three times. Talking. <laughs> yeah. No, J Mac wasn't gonna let go, man. This was his time, his moment. Uh, and obviously, you can relate to that. Uh, talking about this year's draft, the Titans decided to draft Will Levis out of Kentucky. You probably have read a bunch about him, has a bazooka of an arm. I think the interceptions were a little bit of a concern for people. But what did you make of that pick for the Titans? Again, I'll echo what I said before. You know, new GM this year, uh, Rand Carthan. And, you mm -hmm. know, I feel like my duty as a fan is to believe that this new guy has a vision for our team and not immediately question every decision that he's making. So I'm totally fine with the pick. I'm glad you're we such did. a rational fan, James. Stop <laughs> it. Knock it off already. Okay. You know, I, come on. I, there, there did come a point where <laughs> I was scratching my head a little and I am happy to share that. But as far as the Levis pick went, um, you know, my my worry was that they were going to trade up in the first and and give away our entire draft and maybe a first round pick next year. That would have been a lot tough tougher to swallow. But the fact that we got them, you know, in the second and it really only cost us a third next year, I think is much much better value. And sure, you know, they obviously met with the guy. Uh, you know, felt felt good about him. Uh, like I said, we know the tools are there. Heard some things about him coming off as maybe a little serious, uh, you know, robotic, uh, full of himself uh, in some of his combine meetings. But I would just remind everybody that, you know, 
Joe Burrow isn't exactly the poster boy for humility either. And uh, <laughs> he brings a lot of swag, well man. He brings a lot of swag. It's always that fine line between swag and confidence, right? And and arrogance. One hundred percent. And these are kids. We have to remember. And yeah. as long as he shows up and is respectful and and works hard, uh, let's give him a shot. Uh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's obvious that quarterback is a position that uh, that you know we we need to address for the future. Tannehill's on his way out. Um, Malik, you know, through no real fault of his own, was kind of thrown to the wolves last year. I think way before he was ready. Yeah. Um, well, and, and then and then it was somewhat of an indictment on him, maybe the team that they had to bring in Josh Dobbs. Not a good look at man. one point, you know, and that that was not a good look. I felt bad for the kid. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're probably looking at a future of 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 Will Levis and uh, and I'm I'm stoked. I mean, dude, what if he's awesome? I'm 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 down. the The place they lost me a little bit. Um, was waiting until the seventh to take a to take a receiver. Uh, okay, I, you would I, have wanted it sooner. There yeah. were some guys sitting there in the fifth and sixth uh, when they took the tight end and uh, and another tackle. That you know, coming to the Titans is a pretty great situation uh, for a receiver because you have an opportunity to like get on the field right away. And uh, all I can all I can figure is that they just must not have had those guys anywhere close, you know, to the top of their board. You know, like the, the Tyler Scotts, the A.T. Perry's like those guys whose college production was like, you know, legit um, speedy guys, tall guys that could come down, you know, make contested catches. I mean, we, guys that we need on that team. Right. Um, that they passed over time and time again. So they they must have been following their board and they must not have thought much of this of this receiver class. Uh, and unless uh, unless they plan on, I don't know, hosing off Kenny Galladay or something, it's, it feels <laughs> sort of like what it is, is is what we got. Right. Right. Well, honestly, it's it's clear by talking to you. You know your stuff. You know your football. I know that you were in a celebrity fantasy football league with a bunch of guys. Uh, Des Bryant was one of them. I think uh, The Miz was in there. Uh, a bunch of other celebrities. Do you play fantasy football with some of your castmates from A Million Little Things and Psych? I take fantasy football very seriously. It's probably the the closest thing to like a vice uh, or a side hustle that I have. So, so you're in multiple leagues, then I'm assuming just by that leagues, statement. I I yeah. play high stakes. How many um, against you know those those guys and gals who basically treat it like professional poker, um, you know, in the NFFC and the FFPC and. Um, and then I also have my charity leagues that I do. Uh, I do one in the NFFC to, to raise money for pediatric cancer. And then I've been doing Michael Fabiano's for the last couple years. Yeah. Fabs. Um, Fabs is awesome. He has yes, Sling he uh, as a sponsor for his league and everybody gets to play for a charity and, and that's awesome. Well, uh, you, um, I mean, clearly you, you are really into fantasy football. Did you ever win? at all any of these leagues that's the that's the poison that keeps me coming back um, <laughs> of course I it does some, man 
I had some really <laughs> big years um, early on when I first started uh, in the NFFC um, and I made some real money. And so I, you know, I convinced myself that I really was one of one of the best high stakes fantasy football players um, in the world. And it's been a, it's been some really lean years since then. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't stop now. You know, it's, no. you look, look so, your blood, so man. To it. it's in my blood. It's just yeah. it's part of my DNA. Uh, but I have not had the success. I would say in the last six, seven years that I did when I first started, um, yeah. it's tough, man, it's tough to compete with, with these players that pretty much do it as a job, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're on it, right? They're reading things, and they are combing that waiver wire, looking for the best finds, and saying, "Okay, DeAndre Hopkins, he's not going to be starting the season, but he'll be coming off that list, and then yeah, you got to stash him, right?" It's it's. I always feel like I'm about ten minutes behind everybody, and that's really <laughs> all it takes. Um, yeah, same thing with baseball too. Like, because I also do fantasy baseball and it's like the, the fab results oh, will God, come in and God it's just bless you you do a baseball fantasy league too i do oh. i do and it's Jeez. just too often that you know you see the first name on on the list uh of fab and i'm like i've never heard of that guy like how <laughs> how could he have gone for 650 dollars? and it's usually some kid pitcher that got called up and i missed it um but these people do not miss it uh, <laughs> Uh, there's, I mean, it's not like in your home league when you're the best player and, you know, you can kind of just, you're toying with people uh, and dominating. You you go up to the, the high stakes <laughs> leagues and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I am those poor bastards in, in my home league now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, you're talking about like toying with people. I, it felt like you were toying with people's emotions in that finale <laughs> of a million little things. I mean, talk about a heartbreaker, man. I mean, that gets you right there in the heart. You were such a beloved character. How did you prepare for that? And what kind of reaction have you gotten since then? Well, the good news is uh, I knew that was coming for quite some time. It wasn't like, it wasn't thrust upon me. Like, you know, there's a great story about Ray Wise who, who played Leland Palmer in, in Twin Peaks. And, you know, David Lynch brought him into a room with just a lava lamp uh, like the week before they were shooting uh, the last episode of season one. And nobody knew who who had killed Laura Palmer. And he set Ray down and he was like, Ray, it's you. It's always been you, Ray. And <laughs> he kind of just he kind of just melted because he had this much time to process the fact, you know, that he had killed his own daughter. Um Luckily, I knew that, you know, Gary, this was the way Gary was going to go out for for a while, for multiple seasons. And, you know, we really it was just about making sure that it felt earned and that we were able to sort of hit every point along the way uh, of telling the story so that, you know, when we did it, we felt like, you know, we were we were doing it for the right reasons. We were doing it authentically. We were showing reverence and respect and not just kind of drum up, you know, the most emotionally manipulative you know finale that we could uh so we would check in with each other periodically the show creator and i you know over the last few seasons to make sure that we felt like we were still on track with it uh so i did have it was a long play um i was obviously sworn to secrecy but uh, sure. 
but I knew it was coming. And uh, it's still like once you shave your head and have your eyebrows covered up and, you know, and you're spending uh, hours in, in makeup uh, to become someone who, you know, who looks that ill, it, it's still uh, still jarring. It's it's still triggering. You, you, it hits you pretty hard how many people have fallen to this awful, awful disease and how many families have had to say their goodbyes. And, and, uh, you know, you, it's a lot and, and you want to sort of represent it, uh, you know, like I said, with as, as respectfully and truthfully as you, as you possibly can. Um, and, and then you just feel incredibly appreciative that at the end of the day, you know, you get to go take that makeup off and, uh, and you get your eyebrows back and, and you just, you know, you really ever, you realize how, how, how beautiful every day is and, and how you can never take it for granted. It was powerful and you were terrific. And I think you blessed a lot of people with an awesome performance that will resonate for a long time. And then you're on another wildly, wildly uh, popular series <clears throat> slash franchise in psych <laughs> I mean, not one, but two franchises I mentioned off the top. What is it about Psych that really resonates with people? You know, it's it's been something of a phenomenon to me. I mean, certainly none of us thought that when we made this tiny little pilot for the then fledgling USA Network that it would become, yeah. you know, what it has become. I think the spirit of the show uh, sort of speaks for itself. It was created by Steve Franks, who in many ways, uh, you know, kind of embodies uh, positivity. Uh, uh, his approach to life is just, it's so, it's so beautiful and, and aspirational. And it comes, it comes through in his writing and his approach to, you know, to, to making a show and then you put together a group of people who all just really hit it off and, and came to love and respect one another. And so uh, just a ton of love went into making that show. And, and we also realized so somewhat surprisingly that we were being embraced as uh, a series that families could come together and watch like together, like, so many people tell, told us over the run of the show, like, you know, the only time I see my teenager is when we watch Psych. Um, that's so think, cool to hear, right? I think that's it. I really do feel like that's a key. Like, you know, we've managed to, we thre threaded this needle of like, oh, people our age can appreciate this because all the references remind us of our childhoods. But a teenager can appreciate it because these two fools are having such a good time and it reminds them of them and their best buddy. Uh, and so you have like multi-generational sort of viewing experiences happening and, and then the show kind of got passed down. And, and that's why like when 12 year olds now come up and recognize me as, as Sean, it just blows my mind. Like you, you're 12, like you have no idea what we're talking about on the, on the show. But I think what resonates is sort of the spirit of, of silliness and, you know, two grownups running around acting like children and, and two best friends living out sort of a childhood dream I, I, and doing it without, you know, any blood or guts or F-bombs or nudity. I think all of those things sort of came in together and, uh, and made a stew that 
felt very right for a lot of people. It's it's awesome what you guys have done and what you've created, and you also honor other genres as well, genres that you like, genres mm -hmm. that people relate to and really gravitate to. Uh, what can you tell us about now the what'll be the fourth movie now? What what can you tell us about where things stand there? Yeah, I mean, I wish there was more to report. We there is a there is a script. Um, you know, at one point we were toying with the idea of maybe doing three and four um, back to back, uh, just because it's so difficult to to get all these to get everybody's schedules lined up and sure. and and find a pocket of time. Um, that ended up not happening because it was it was during COVID. It was difficult. It would have been weird. Uh, frankly, I mean, you know, that that fourth script probably wasn't as cooked as much as it needed to be um, on top of everything. So the good news is, I think I think the script is better now. Uh, and now it'll come down to like, you know. The peacock. Uh, finding some dough and uh, getting everybody's schedules aligned again, which, you know, we can always, we can always figure that part out because it doesn't take us long to shoot these things. Um, you know, we're, we're very early uh, in, into a, a, a writer's strike. So it won't be happening anytime soon. Yeah, it's uh, too bad. It's too bad. But maybe, uh, you know, maybe into this year, next year, it comes together. Um and, you know, the psych fans are so great and they're so patient and, and, you know, they always let us know that the appetite is still there. So that's an easy part of the pitch uh, yeah. to the Peacock. Uh, yeah, it's the same. It's basically the same dance that we've done for every movie. You kind of have to go in and remind them, you know, why psych is important and, you know, how the, the brand has been around for so long and, and how, you know, it's reached so many people and, and, you know, there's there's always turnover at these places. So, you know, you're always pitching a new group of execs who may or may not have ever watched. Like, uh, that's what yeah. happens when you last as long as we have. You know, that old guard is, you know, that 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 was there with us in the beginning are all gone. Um, yeah. So you keep getting passed off to new people um, and then kind of singing for your supper a little bit but it's worth it to us because we love our fans so much and it's yeah. also it's also worth it to us because those movies are basically like little mini family reunions and they're a blast it's it's a blast to sit back and watch it and also see the trajectory of your career and when you started you had your name of James Roday and then you added James Roday Rodriguez Talk about the self-discovery that you had to get to that point. I know at one point in time, I had a couple of bosses that wanted me to change my name to Guillermo. Uh, and that was something that they thought, hey, what do you think about that? Are you Is it something that you're comfortable with? Now, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, people called me Guillermo, but that wasn't my name. And with that process for me, I just learned a lot about myself and and just about my background and and about what I want in the future. What was that self-discovery process for you to get to the point that you finally did? Well, I, it was heavily fueled by uh, the pandemic. 
um, which sort of forced uh, life to, to slow down. And, you know, I, I, I generally live my life very fast. I've got 10 things going on at once. It's, it's sort of, it's, it is who I am and it's how I thrive. And all of a sudden I found myself with a whole bunch of time, a whole lot of stillness and, and reading and thinking about stuff that I hadn't honestly thought about in years. And, you know, I was talking to my dad and, uh, you know, he was telling me stories about my grandparents that I'd never heard. And I just woke up one day and was like, why am I not, why am I not representing? Like I, I knew why initially I, I dropped Rodriguez and it's because I was a kid coming out of college who had no idea how the business worked and, mm -hmm. you know, a, a casting director and a TV executive who had absolutely no malice whatsoever were like, Hey, you know, you would probably behoove you to, to have a wider name because you look white and it might confuse mm -hmm. people. And this was in the nineties and I don't even hold it against them. I think they were just trying to help me. And at the time I would have done anything like they could have said, you know, sure. if, you off, if you chopped off your pinky toe, um, it might give you a leg up. It's these auditions. Like I probably would have done it because I didn't know anybody. And, and the idea of becoming successful in this business was so daunting and, and beyond something that I could wrap my head around that I was taking every piece of advice I could. So I did it. And the next thing I knew I was working and I built a career and, uh, and then, you know, 20 years in, I'm sitting there going, man, if, if I was starting my career today, a, nobody would give me that advice because they wouldn't be caught dead, you know, saying, right. That out loud. Right. And B, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have occurred to me that there's anything weird about being Rodriguez either, because there have been so many people now, uh, especially in the Latinx community that, you know, have have kept their names and represented. And it just it wouldn't have even been something to think about. And so, sure. you know, the good news is that I was, you know, it's I better late than never. Uh, yeah, I wish I had done it sooner. Uh, I would have loved for my grandparents to have still been around, um, you know, to enjoy my work as as a Rodriguez. Uh, but, you know, my dad is is still here and uh, I know it meant a lot to him. And and I, I think. You know, as best as I could could express, like, you know, how how I could I could totally see that, you know, how it could be perceived as like this, you know, this woke thing that I did, you know, with an agenda behind it. Like the truth is I just felt really bad. Mm -hmm. um, it caught up with me. Uh, I had some time to think about it and really look inward and, and, and it just became crystal clear that there was simply no reason for me to not use my name anymore. And so I did it. And uh, I did it, you know, probably 20 years too late. But well, what was what was the reaction of other people, say, in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry when you did that? I would say it was 98 percent very positive and, yeah. and very supportive. Again, you know, Hollywood, especially, I think uh, 
loves to put itself out in in front of any sort of movement um and and sometimes that's authentic and sometimes it's it's nonsense but you know it nobody's gonna not support someone reclaiming their heritage on any sort of public platform uh just because of the optics but there were non-hollywood people um i think there was there was the the two percent of people that were you know really questioned like why now um and rightfully so like i but 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 james part of it though is that you know you're established now like you are established and successful and you've had longevity so it's not like you needed it to boost your career any more than it's already boosted right by the work that you've done yeah i can tell you that changing my name has not um has not gotten me a single extra job <laughs> um yeah but the flip side of that coin that you're talking about is like well sure you waited you waited until you were successful and you had a career and you were established and then it was okay to be rodriguez yeah. so i get yeah. i get both sides of that argument yeah yeah well um do, do you feel like the the weight of the representation now uh, in Hollywood and, and, and having the name now uh, attached to you? I mean, it hasn't changed a, a ton except in the way that I, I, I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. I was never hiding my Latino-ness. I mean, I was, I was nominated for Almas and Imogen Awards and I presented and I was doing, I would do the occasional interview with, uh, you know, a, a publication that, you know, was sort of, you know, was Latino driven. It was like, it wasn't a secret. I just, I just wasn't throwing my name out there. Yeah. Um, so now I just think, you know, there's, there's an element of pride that comes along with it. And, and it feels, it just feels better for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, a million little things was the first time that I ever, I ever played a Latino in my career. And I give, I give DJ Nash credit for that because he said, Hey, why, why don't we use, why don't we use this from your real life? Like, let's make you half Mexican. Let's give you a Mexican father. Like it was the first time that I, that I was ever able to sort of marry the ideas of identity and my art into one character. Uh, And that was really cool too, man. Like that was cathartic and brought me a lot closer to who I really am. And I think, I thank him for that for sure. Um, But as far as like the pressure of representation, like, I'm out there um, nine times out of 10. Am I going to get a, a role that's written for a Latino? Still probably not because there's going to be guys that just look more Latino than I do. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's okay. Like I, I probably wouldn't cast me either, but uh, I'm certainly willing to talk about it now and, uh, and, and carry the flag as, as, as best as I can. Uh, sure because we need as much representation as Hollywood as Hollywood as we can get. Like uh, I would, I would say as, as many sort of diverse diversity initiatives are that are happening right now. Uh, you know, the, the Latinx community is still, I think needs more. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, uh, what was it like for you growing up where you had half of your family that was Mexican. You, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that they were all Dallas Cowboys fans. Like, what was it like culturally for you growing up 
uh, with with having half that side being Mexican and growing up in San Antonio? It was interesting because uh, we were the only ones in San Antonio. Everyone else was in Dallas. And so it was it was basically a, a oh, okay. once or maybe twice a year uh, holiday family gathering. Um, and I was also the oldest grandchild. So for a while, um, there were no other kids. And it was just like once a year, I would be reminded like, oh, right, uh, this is this is half of me. And they all speak Spanish to each other. And uh, they love, you know, Tejano music. And this is part of me. Mm -hmm. uh, slowly but surely over the years, uh, a lot of uh, the, the siblings started marrying off and more white people came into the mix and yeah. it became sort of a more, more of a melting pot. And then cousins started getting born and we really are more of a, of a mixed, a mixed bag. But, but when I was very young, not so much, you know, it was, it was me and my mom who's about as Caucasian as you can be. Um, and in a family of Mexicans, um, mm -hmm. And then you would go home and we didn't speak Spanish in our household. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up on an Air Force base and there weren't a ton of other uh, Latino children. And you kind of would almost, you know, forget. You just sort of normalize the fact that your life feels more white than it does, you know, Latino. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until the next christmas <laughs> you know <laughs> right right no exactly well that's what mj and i we always talk about our our backgrounds and how we grew up i mean we had you know uh big families and then you know learning how to speak spanish and then some of the the traditions and and such but you know for us and even just the the point of this podcast is just we want to highlight the latinos who are out there who are successful and who are seen as an inspiration and and looked upon for for what they do and and how they've done it and uh you certainly are that i mean you honestly are killing it right now have been killing it and this has just been such an enlightening conversation just so generous of you to give us the time to talk to us. We covered a lot today, my friend. We covered yeah, a lot. No, we kept it real. <laughs> uh, and honestly, look, the, the pleasure is mine. Uh, you, you know what a huge football fan I am. I think it's dope uh, that you're out there, you know, crushing it in your own right. And uh, I was happy to come together and, and, and talk about being Latinos with you. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, man, I, I appreciate it. Uh, please come back again on the El Hoda podcast when we also have MJ as well. I know she would love to talk to you as well. And we can dissect more of the Titans, what we think of their offense and Will Levis. Maybe you'll be pumped beyond belief of how good he is. Or you'll just say, this guy ain't cutting it. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Right? I'll be interested uh, to see if he actually sees the field this season. Um you know, yeah. Tannehill stays healthy, and because that division is not great, you know, if, as long as if we're striking distance from like a wild card, I, I can't imagine him bringing in the kid. But dude, as soon as we fall out of it, I think you got to get him in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? And think about that with the division of having Anthony Richardson, potentially Will Levis, right? C.J. Stroud. 
mean, mm-hmm. you got some young guns, and then obviously Trevor Lawrence. Stack, uh, man, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we could be looking at a at a bright future. Um, honestly, James, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Honestly, come back again. Really proud of what you've been doing, and uh, really enjoyed the combo. Thanks again. Thanks again Appreciate it, Will. Thank you, sir. El Huddle is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.